Hello and welcome to another episode of Mom's World Podcast. Podcast where we speak to amazing individuals. People who will help people like you and me make what we love a full-time job. If you liked the episode, give us a few on iTunes and share it with your friends. If you didn't, no one needs to know. Now in this episode, we speak to Eric Escobar. You may think that he is related to a famous man. But he is not. He's a Mongol like me. Except that I'm rice and chips, English, Irish, and Chinese, and he is Mexican and Filipino. It was it was a, it was a great episode. We we got to cover a lot of the LA scene and how it works and the various different sects of, of it. Because I also look at how his unique and intriguing spot on last comic standing like the backstory into that and how how the credit quickly catapulted him into better gigs but also how it fast-tracked him as a comedian Rosa spoke in how in the Los Angeles scene and in the UK well we spoke basically in the Los Angeles scene about how one little thing you do as a mistake, get misconstrued, could effectively really screw you over. It's much like the London scene as well. I think in comedy show business, the price is so high that people will literally, in some cases, do anything they can to get what they want. We talk about various different comedy troops. And we talk, well, I, I, I asked them, we compared like different festivals within the US and how they compare with the UK comedy festival, Edinburgh. We talked about the structures of different shows. Um, we, we discussed those. So I, I went to LA a few years ago and we discussed some of the famous comedians that are in the LA scene, how they operate, scenes operate. It's effectively this episode is your go-to guide if you want an overview of how the LA scene works. I'm a very forthright person, and he's absolutely hilarious. I mean, there's a lot more I could say, but let's find out. find out about the LA comedy scene, and let's speak to Eric. What's up, Marvin? How you doing, homie? Not too, not too bad, G. What's up? <laughs> What's popping? Can you hear me? Can you see me? Perfect. It's perfect, Eric. <laughs> you know what? I'm on Wi-Fi right now. I'm going to switch over to data really quick. It's a little weird. Whatever works. Awesome. Is that a little better? It's perfect, Eric. Absolutely. Awesome. What's what's been happening, man? Not seeing you since the Heckler show. <laughs> I know, right? Um, things are things are okay. I know you got a bunch of weird stuff going on politically in the UK, but in the states, it's been freaking nuts. It's been wild. So I'm I'm okay. It's just like uh, <laughs> every moment. I mean, and you're in LA as well. I mean, I've I've seen many people talk to themselves in LA. 
and have arguments with themselves. <laughs> it's definitely that kind of vibe right now. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, Biden's in. I mean, it's effectively two six four. He's he's in. There's no really it's... disputing that. I, I agree, and I'm praying, and I'm hoping that Biden gets it. I want nothing more, but just the Trump administration is being super sketchy. They're trying to, like, sue states and, like, do all these things. So for me, it's kind of like once he's, like, officially Biden's president, boom, 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 that's when I'll be relieved. Up until that moment, I'm going to be freaking out on, like, what kind of weird, sketchy, horrible things Trump is trying to do to, like, fight this. Are you trying to turn it into like a big football game? Are you trying to like the LA Lakers that, that one moment before they win, you get nervous, eh? Or it's it's America. Of course, we're trying to make everything like a sports game. <laughs> <laughs> it's illegal to bet on the election, but I was just at an open mic um, on Wednesday, and all the comments were talking about how they put bets on Trump versus Biden, and I'm like, what the hell? Like this is <laughs> turning into more of like a entertainment thing than it is like people are at risk <laughs> it's not something i mean you don't really get anything from the bet though i mean it's it's you lose your soul if 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 the other one gets gets in don't you so but you get ten dollars well, isn't, isn't that what all uh all the states are about just losing your soul for a couple extra bucks <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, I think so yeah that's that's what comedy is isn't it like you lose your it soul is. and then you get a paid a little bit <laughs> well if you don't get paid you at least get a free well drink or maybe some nachos is it really that bad in in la <laughs> it's uh it's it's getting tougher i i think the people that are hustling and the people that are still submitting and trying to get themselves out there they'll be fine they'll be great but um before you know there would be people who would kind of just like hang out for a little bit you know do an open mic here do a show here and a lot of mics are gone a lot of venues are gone so unless you're like super super on it oh there's minimal work right now i mean i mean la and new york would you say they're the two meccas of comedy in america they are but they're also the two places where you don't get paid because there's so many comedians hmm that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you just got to suck up to the right people. I'm pretty sure, Eric, you you sucked up to a few people. And you're like, ah, oh, they're such a wanker. They're such a prick. But like, just you, you. just you, Marvin. Okay, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> just you, baby. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, are we? Oh, by the way, are we recording right now? Or are we uh, starting up in a in a quick minute? No, no, we're recording. It's it's one of the things Perfect. that I learned from one of the jumping in. I did an interview of one of the podcasts, and like one of the reasons why there's a thing called you heard of pod fade. No, that sounds like a, a really weird genre of music. I feel like we'd hear that at Coachella or some big music festival. And it sounds like some sort of mass, doesn't it? I mean, we are Asian. We're good at that sort of thing, supposedly. <laughs> uh, no, it, we are. It's, it's it's this thing where you do a podcast and then for whatever reason um, you lose passion for it and you the podcast goes to the back burner and then boom it's finished and one of the, he says one of the reasons for it is he doesn't necessarily edit it that much unless someone says something racist homophobic or something ridiculous exactly so well only the good guests say that exactly. Uh, the most, yeah, the most entertaining guests. I, I, I spoke to uh, Mistress Kate. Do you know her? 
from the UK, from the States? No, from the States. She's a very, um, she's from Boston and she, she was bloody an amazing guest on the podcast. Completely, completely off the chart, but bloody hilarious. Oh, I love it. Do you know, um, is it Pussycat Bang Bang or Pussycat? She's done a lot of UK stuff. Oh, yes, yes. You, you, we, you gigged with her on the heck. Yeah, Hector's shows. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were on the Hector's show, too. Yeah, she's great. I love her. She's amazing, but like a wild personality. You know what I mean? Just like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, yo, if I could just like run around in your brain for an hour, that would be very exciting. I want to get you on a podcast one day. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, she's been on a few. She, she is, she is, um, well, she reminds me of a lot of my relatives. Like a lot of lot of people in Thailand have an absolutely fantastic sense of humor, and they are a lot like yeah. cat. Do you, do you find that as well with like your your mix? Aren't you sort of like Latino I'm Mexican and Asian? And Filipino. But do you find yeah. that with like your Asian and like your Latino relatives, they're they're bloody hilarious. I they're they're hilarious for weird reasons. You know what I mean? Like um. So like I run a show and then we have a regular, he's this Filipino guy and he's always like trying to pitch us jokes and the jokes are never good. But when he says them, we're all like, we're all buying this guy a shot. He's wonderful. He'll be like, oh, there's a volcano in Hawaii and it erupted and people, they, they die, but they, uh, they swim out because they uh, swim. And you're like, what? <laughs> I have no idea why that's a joke, but that's hilarious. Please keep talking. I love you. It's no, it, it's a funny thing. A lot of uh, I think if you go to Thailand, they, they they definitely have a fantastic sense of humor. A lot of them are like cat, they really are. Loads of them are like that. But she's, I'm always thinking with a lot of like my relatives and that, like they're really funny. And I'm like, why aren't you doing comedy? And then I see cat, and it's like, yeah, here's why you should be doing it. <laughs> Do you have a um, an aunt or uncle who is? very much kind of like from the old school ways you know what i mean they're not like super like westernized or anything they're just like super tie or super whatever and is there a joke that they tell that you like love to hear or love to tell other people uh oh they say a lot of funny things and they're quite witty my relatives they just say funny things all the time they just all the time they do something that's hilarious and it gets you going it's just yeah, all the time. They, they, they're just, <laughs> it's very funny. And it's, <laughs> no, I don't know what it, as you said, it's just because I think one thing is if you're from a different culture, then I, I mean, like if you went to the UK, you would get some brownie points being from America. And I feel like that sort of happens with a lot of my relatives because they sound different and they, their behavior is a bit different. It adds a lot more to what they say. And as you said with the other guy, he's not said what what he's actually saying isn't funny. It's just that it's just so out there that it makes it funny. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it's a weird thing because I feel like that it happens in the states and it happens, you know, like if you have a comic who's coming in from the UK in LA or California or whatever, he's like you said immediately getting brownie points. He's like, ooh, what's your deal? You're different, ooh. But even in California, not in California, but in the states, it's interesting because like everyone works everywhere. So like, you'll be in, I don't know, Georgia, or you'll be in Nevada and you'll be like, Oh, I'm from Los Angeles. And they'll be like, Oh, Los Angeles. And then when people are from out of state in LA, it's like, wow, 
you're from Kentucky. When someone's like different from you, there's always that little extra like I'm there's mystery there. I want to see that. It's gonna be better. Like I'm expecting more like woo. Yeah, it's it's but it's I mean, take advantage of it, I suppose. Uh, have you done that? I bet you've done that a few times. Oh yeah, I use that a hundred percent. I'll be like, hey, my name's Eric, I'm a comedian, could I get some time? By the way. I'm from California. And they're like, oh, well, if you're from California, I'm like, yeah, but I'm not better than anyone. I'm just, I'm just a dude, I'm just a regular guy. But I'll use it if it helps me out, if it gets me that five minute guest spot. I wanna I want, I want ask you sort of the question that you probably get annoyed about, but I wanna ask- 17 inches. Uh, that's good to know. I'm gonna, uh, do you wanna send Ify a picture or like Mark, like I'll let him know. <laughs> I'll have them subscribe to my OnlyFans or my Patreon. <laughs> What's the way? I'll tell them. I'll, I'll give the details. <laughs> More like the details. See what I did there? Yeah, that sounds like a. You know, that just sounds like a like a chat line you use at a woman in Hooters. It's <laughs> <laughs> some odd line. I'll use it. Man. Whatever works. <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I tell you what, you're saying about the details, that, that's the one joke I hate from anyone that look, that's Asian, that like if they're Asian and they start making the jokes about the dick being small, that, yeah. that bit really, so, that's so hacky, that's so easy, it, there's no sort of creativity, yeah, it's, it's such the low hanging fruit. Well, it's the high hanging fruit, technically, it's not super low hanging. Yeah, but, uh, but it's, it's, yeah, shit. I feel like... <laughs> it's a shit joke. <laughs> I feel like it's it's one of those things though. It's kind of like race jokes or there's a lot of themes where it's like if they hear it, do whatever bit you want. But if you do it, it's not gonna win you no one's because of it. You know what I mean? You're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you make like an Asian small dick joke or like a Asians can't drive joke or anything like that. Like Yo, if anything, go ahead and do it because then that'll make me look better because that's going to make you suck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Exactly. But it, it, yeah, okay. I, sh I shouldn't be saying that. I should say keep doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do five in a row. That way I look incredible when I go on after you and I have legitimate material. <laughs> but I, I, what is it with all these stereotypes? I mean, like, where did that stupid stereotype with, oh, Asians have, where did that come from? I mean, is it just someone that was upset by an Asian man and they went and told everyone else? And like, I don't know what happened there. What's the, what's the backstory? I'm, I'm more interested to find out what, what weirdo made that stupid rumor up. Because how do you know? Did you get a ruler and measure everyone? <laughs> Well, I remember it here in the States. Um, so when I was doing, I was in grad school and I remember writing this paper and I found this article and it was basically saying, and obviously, you know, everything, not to make it racial, but everything in the States was super white for a long time. Still is, you know, you look at this election, it's very, very white heavy. And there was an article that was, I'm half Filipino, that was talking about how um, men should be racially targeting Filipinos because Filipino men will, uh, oh no, they, they will steal your women and they smoke cannabis, which will make them crazy. And it's one of those things where I feel like if you are going to target a race, even if something isn't true, you're just gonna like make things up and see what sticks, you know what I mean? 
And uh-huh. it's like, I don't know how many Filipino guys are trying to like get with white girls. I don't know how many Filipino guys are like smoking weed, but that was like the rumor that was in all these newspapers they were circulating around. So I think one day someone was like, uh, oh, Asians, oh, what do we hate about them? Uh, they, got, uh, they, uh, they got small dicks, that's it. They got small <laughs> Some people just like create things and then if it like gets into the verse and everyone's like, yeah, we believe that, it's just another way to hate. But um, yeah. I will also say counterpoint to that, I think in comedy it's interesting because I think a lot of comedy is based around our commonality and how we're the same. Because like if you do a good joke and everyone laughs, they're laughing because they understand you and they're laughing because they understand, you know, the idea or the point that you're trying to do. And I think uh, a really interesting way of having that community and finding that commonality is finding things that you hate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've ever had a boss that you hated, but anytime I've had a boss that I've hated, everyone who's been working there, they're all really close and they all love each other because you all come together about how much you hate your boss. And in comedy, it's weird because there's a lot of like hate stereotypes that people, you know, they grasp onto as that low hanging fruit just because it's like, oh, I think other people will think this way because we all hate this race or we all hate women or we all hate disabled people. It's weird. It's super weird. It's a bit like a woke, it's a bit like a male feminist, like Bill Burr has a good joke in in it, like male feminist is the most pathetic way to try and get women. And it's, it's, it's when you do a joke like that, it's just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my race down just so you like me sort of thing. Exactly. And this is the way I see it. Like, do you, I think there's a little bit to be said about writing for your audience and writing for, for the mainstream or everyone. Cause obviously, you know, if you, at least here in the States, if I work a show in San Francisco, I'm not going to take that material to Houston, Texas. You know what I mean? It's two different types of people. But I think there's something to be said about like, you can write for the general audience or you can kind of write for yourself. And when you write for yourself, you're not pandering. You're not trying to, you know, like get them excited because you're trying to like speak to them. It's like, no, you're doing you. And hopefully they like what you are. So like, I don't know, just, just be you. <laughs> but but how, how do you sort of, how do you sort of get that to work with different crowds as you say? I mean, if you were at an urban gig, how would you get your bits to work? And how would you do it with like a, like really sort of woke audience? How would you pander yourself? Or you just like, nah, fuck it. I look at myself between like, let's just say my scale of depth is from like one to 10. If I'm in an area that's a little tougher, you know, maybe like central Washington, Texas, Chattanooga, Tennessee, I'm going to be playing at like a a two or a three. You know, I might have like, I have a bit that I do where I say um, someone got shot outside my apartment and I was freaking out because it was the first time I've ever used a gun. I can use that anywhere. But if I'm in a more liberal area or a more progressive area or an area where there's people who are more like me, the joke turns into, I went to a Black Lives Matter protest. I saw a cop get shot and it was the first time I ever used a gun. You know what I mean? You just like turn up the dial. You just like adjust the joke a little bit so it's more like <laughs> your vibe. You know what I mean? It's not as general. Oh, okay. And that's so, and, and so you would have to maybe practice sort of in certain gigs in that air in that sort of audience for a while to see if it works or you just make a guess exactly but also like if i if i feel like 
most of the audience isn't going to like a joke, but I know that table over there is like me and they vibe with me and they're going to love that joke. I might still do that joke because at least those people like it even more and they're probably going to buy my merch after the show. So, hey, I'm looking at you. Please like this a lot so you can buy some lighters and shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what would happen if a comedian said, like, I'm on stage, guys, right? You get free weed if you buy my merchandise and you laugh at my jokes at the start. I would love that, depending how many cops are or not in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny. Imagine cats. It was just a that. joke. It was just a joke. <laughs> Imagine cats saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any like crazy hell gigs where you didn't just bomb, but it was like bad, bad, or like someone wants to, like fight you after, like things got thrown in you? Have you ever had any like those experiences? Normally, no, normally I just get um, yeah, it's quiet. But I've not had had uh, <laughs> I've had other people get into fights like midway through the Ooh. gig. So there was some guy trying to impress his woman, like you know, one of these sort of guys that like a jock in America that acts all manly yeah. and, and and maybe they 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 like cock, but they they try and overcompensate it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, yes, I'm picturing three of my friends right now <laughs> yeah, imagine that and like he was with his girl like a good very attractive woman sort of blonde lady and um they were doing some funny things and then they were about to leave the gig and then one guy says something i don't know what he said but he said something and then he suddenly gets all what 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 and then he wanted to try and get in a fight with the other guy and so i took him outside and but it, yeah, he and the, they almost got in a fight, but in the end, it was just sort of handbags to try and impress his woman, I think, because he was acting out oh, too much. So if you're going to hit someone, I think if you really want to hit someone, you're going to do it. You're not going to sort of hype it up or get all. Exactly. It's, yeah, I think it's the, a quiet person who's like that would, would worry me more, like, because they're just going to do it. They're not going to like do lair or anything. They're just going <laughs> to. But, um, I agree. A lot of people, we say, you know, it's a lot of bark with no bite. You know what I mean? They just, they're just talking about it. They're hyping themselves up. They're like, boom, boom, boom. But, you know, are they really going to throw a punch? Are they really going to get violent? The people who are quiet, sit in the back, they're the ones where it's like, oh, they're, <laughs> I don't know about that, dude. I hope we're okay. Because <laughs> I think, I think, I think though, if I, if I was in that situation again, I'll probably try and try and put him off it or something i'd say something funny or do something daft just to get it put him off with his mind because he's focused on trying to impress his woman and trying to be all yeah. whatever so i'll maybe do a magic trick i don't know anything that sort of tricks the frame of like him not thinking that anything that and then he can't think about that do you remember that um that borat bathing suit like the super like revealing like green one where it like literally covered like just your cock and then like two little things went over your shoulders yes <laughs> do you remember there was a i think i don't know if it was a youtube thing it, it went viral for a minute but it was this guy who was walking around the streets and he would bump into people and basically try to start fights but as soon as the other person tried to start the fight he would take off all his clothes and he would just yeah. be wearing that borat suit <laughs> <laughs> that would be like my move. It's like you want to fight, I would just take off my pants and then just start like, I don't know, touching my balls or something. 
<laughs> they're not expecting Let's go. That. This is what I mean. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think it worked quite well for a lot of people, but I think there'll always be that one that would be like, I don't give a shit. Come on, then. <laughs> <laughs> the one in 10, the one in 20. But it was like with that Vitaly um, prank where he was pranking all these people in the neighborhoods pretending to be a zombie. You know, eventually Which someone wanted to one? fight him. Vitaly, you know that, that w- Russian guy? No, I don't know if it's... That's not in, uh, in my brain space yet. Show me the love. What's, what's he, what's he, what does he do? He just does a lot of YouTube pranks. But okay. he's, he's, he's completely... He's he's completely void it now. Like he's he's a like he he's he's a juice head now. He's a juice head prankster. Uh, okay. Do do you in America have this program? In the UK, we've got this program called Love Island. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's it's basically these women that are very attractive, plastic chest, plastic everything, like Kim Kardashian, and you get guys that are all sort of muscle and nothing else, steroids. And they go on an island and they find love, which is really fame. And they, that's it. I mean, do you have a lot of those shows? <laughs> we, so here's the thing. What's crazy about that is I actually, uh, so, you know, I try to do some acting when I can. Obviously, it's harder during the pandemic. But you have all these casting sites out here. And I want to say, like, just two or three days ago, I saw one for Love Island. Where they were, like, we're looking for sexy singles to get on Love Island. So I don't know if it's already here or if they're, they're just bringing it here, but I think it might be coming in. But we have a lot of versions of that. Like we have like, I think it's called like Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise, where it's all these people just trying to hook up on an island. You know, you have things like, it's sort of like, like the real world or, you know, even like Making Afraid is weirdly like that. We have a lot of shows along that theme where it's like, let's get a bunch of hot people in a deserted place and they're all gonna bone and let's watch it. Cause that's what entertainment is in 2020. Well, I think entertainment in 2020 is just vain people with reality TV without much personality and basically like, and they wonder, like, one thing I find funny with some, some women that have sort of just all plastic and there's like, they've had all these operations, like they wonder why someone leaves them. If you spent all your money just on your goods, then you're not going to keep, it's, it's, it's in the long term when your looks go, what's, what, what else is there? It's a bit like, you should be spending more well, time on what's in here. Or like if you're a muscle guy and certain things happen, if you're not spending enough time on what's in here, then of course there's going to be issues. I agree. And like, I hate to generalize, you know, I'm sure there's some guys who just like work out and they're muscly and they're like good normal people. I'm sure their image really puts off a type of vibe. You know what I mean? Like if I have, you know, if I have a bunch of, like I have a bunch of tattoos and I'll wear shorts some days and uh, a lot of my tattoos are my legs and people will treat me a different way when they can see my tattoos because I'm kind of putting out that energy, you know what I'm putting off that look. But when I wear pants and no one knows, I get treated sort of differently. Same thing, you know, I, I just lost like 70 pounds and I remember when I was a big guy, people treated me very differently as now when I'm like, you know, a little skinnier. I think it's weird because like when you invest that much into your look and you know what you're putting out there, you just, that energy just brings in a type of like idea of like, oh, you're that type of person. And then people treat you that kind of way, which is weird. So if you like double down on it, you got, you know, super muscles, you know, roided out, or you got like big old boobs and big old lips and a big old butt, like people are going to treat you 
kind of with that energy, whether or not you want that, but do you kind of want it? <laughs> you know, it's the, the point I'm getting at is that, yeah, not everyone is like that, but I mean, for, for, for those, and there are a good number of those who are like that, who do double down on that, and they worry why, they, and they get surprised yeah. when there's issues later on. Exactly. People are weird, man. And I think there's, there's so much like, I don't know, with social media and everything going on, everything's, you can really put out the, the look that you want to put out right now. You know what I mean? When you look on social media, everyone is like their happiest, best selves. When you go on a dating app, everyone's putting up the hottest pictures and the most like sexy things or coolest things about them. And it's crazy because now we live in a world where we don't know anyone for real like our first look is always going to be like, oh, the heightened version, the best version of themselves. Like we're all just dudes and ladies trying to make it work. We all cry in the shower. We all hate eat a large pizza every once in a while at 2 a.m. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, but, but what, I mean, you're in LA now. I mean, that is, is, it's very much uh, image and very sort of, you have to, act a certain way and you, yes. you I mean in comedy as well like I mean you're in the big big league so like if you upset the wrong person in LA you're you're gonna struggle a little bit well something that I was actually just talking to another comic about this which I think is fascinating about Los Angeles in general is everyone's afraid of that everyone's afraid of upsetting the wrong person not looking good in front of the right person um not looking their best or giving their best set so it's crazy about LA and I'm talking more like pre-pandemic times and think this can kind of change up a little bit now, but everyone had like a great five minutes, but no one had more than five minutes because everyone would develop a really good five, but you'd be afraid to do new material or test things out in front of audiences, in front of open mics, in front of shows. Because if you go to an open mic, if you go to a show, there's always a comic in the audience who produces a show. There's always a comic in the audience who runs an open mic. This person, you know, is a headliner and they might, you know, take you on the road. So it's crazy because everyone's afraid to develop new material. And everyone has a great five, but everyone just does their five over and over and over and over again instead of working on new things because they're always afraid to upset everyone out there because everyone has, you know, some stake in the game. Yeah. And so i will say though i have a great six so you know i'm uh, i'm a little ahead of the crowd yeah, listen up guys <laughs> listen up he's got a great six he's got that extra bit more that you're looking for <laughs> both on stage and in the bedroom no yeah, it's like ladies listen up <laughs> iffy are you are you listening that's all for you baby i'll text it i'll text it to him one of the yeah, so I remember going to LA as well. I think about a year, couple, yeah, about three years ago, actually. In fact, um, yeah. and yeah, the, the the bloody Hollywood Walk of Fame is a big tourist trap. I know that. <laughs> yes, but it's a very well lit, beautiful, shiny tourist trap <laughs> with a lot of very disturbed people and the very oddness. Like it, it gets me a bit nervous there. And it's it repeats itself as well, and then, and then you got some. I mean, one of the funny moments there was when I was outside of Popeyes, where this homeless man. I know man the exact get, Popeyes you're talking about. Yes, that one, that one, and then the one on the corner. Yeah. Yeah, and they 
there was this guy, homeless person, getting into an argument with himself, getting very aggressive, and then laughing, and then shouting, and then laughing at himself. <laughs> Marvin is much too kind, but for you listeners, that homeless guy was me, just so you're all aware. He didn't that, want to out me. That is like a perfect... was me practicing my set. That's, that's like a common stand-up thing, isn't it? Like, we use just some screwed-up story, and then we think, oh, okay, what's the best punchline for it? Boom. <laughs> it is. Well, what's crazy about Los Angeles, that I, it's, it's happened to me a few times, where I'll, like, look over across the street, and I'll be like, oh, you know, there's a homeless person, you know, probably a little tweaked out, probably a little drugged out, you know, just yelling at himself. Then I'll give it another look. And in some areas, you're like, oh, that's not a homeless person at all. That's just like an actor practicing waiting for an audition and they're running through what they're going to say. And it's like this fun game of like, is it like a homeless person yelling at themselves or is it someone auditioning for an action role, which is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one of the things is with LA being such an image-focused city, there's no way you can be like that all the time. So no wonder why you're going to be hooked on drugs and all these other things. And then you make the problem even worse. I agree. I think, <laughs> I think it's a stressful city to be in. But also to that note, I think LA is a stressful city to be in. I think New York is 10 times wilder. Because in, it's, it's weird. I feel like LA is very much a city where it's like, we hustle, we go big. There is a lot of image issues. There's a lot of like, oh, look at me. There's a lot of dick measuring. It can get really annoying. But in New York, it's like kind of, it's sort of that energy, but times 10. Because everyone's just moving faster. They want to get more done. They got to pay their rent. They're hustling towards their gigs. Um, it's, I love New York. I think it's absolutely amazing, but I don't know if I could ever live there because it's such a boom, boom. It's, it's just, it's the craziness of LA. Like, multiplied oh yeah it, it's a very aggressive city as well oh no did you freeze up oh you're good, you're good. hell yeah well, so one thing i want to ask you as well so so you've been on last comic standing and like what i want to talk yes. to you about is like the two sides of it so like how it happened and like how did it feel and also like how did you deal with this sucking up to you when you were on the tv um, I, I have told this story a couple times. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, do you know what an RA is, a resident assistant? Do you have that at your, uh, like, university or college over in the UK? I think so, yeah. I think I know what you mean, yeah. So you're basically, it's students, and they usually give you a free dorm, um, which I needed because I'm super poor, or was super poor, still poor common life theme, but um, they hook you over the dorm, you have to basically like, help out the residents, take care of all the people at the university, you have like your little crew of places. So there was an amazing comic named Alex Davenport from Idaho, and he went to uh, California State University, Los Angeles, where I started college where I was an RA. He moved in, and on his first day, he was like, uh, hey, I'm a, I'm a comic, I've been doing stand-up, um, do you know any clubs or anywhere I could like do comedy? And at the time, I wasn't doing stand-up, I was doing a lot of improv, and I was like, no, but I'm an improviser and I want to get into stand-up. So if you hear anything, let me know. And if I hear anything, I'll let you know. And we can like drive together, go together, to open mics, what have you. <clears throat> so about a month later, a couple months later, 
Alex hits me up and he's like, hey, he said, you want to try stand-up, right? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And he's like, okay, well, I heard about this thing. We're going to do this thing. Um, it's on, I believe it was Saturday, but we have to get there on Thursday. And I'm like, I don't understand what that means, but I have nothing to do. Let's go for it. We take a bus out there. We get there. And he takes me to the last comic standing auditions. I've done stand-up maybe twice before it. And I'm like, <laughs> you should have told me that this was the thing. I thought you were taking me to like a coffee shop or something. You're taking me to like the legit thing. So we're 13th and 14th in line. We, uh, we slept in the back of a truck of two Arizona comics the first night. Uh, the next night I called my roommate and I was like, hey, can you bring me a tent? Slept in a tent on the second night. It was very rainy. We were 12th and 13th in line. We get in there. I add some jokes and I start talking or they bring me in um, and I get in front of uh, Greg Giraldo, Natasha Leggero and Andy Kindler, three judges. And they bring me in. Everyone has a minute. You have a minute to do your jokes and impress them and get on the show. So I get up there. I have a couple jokes about being Mexican. I have a couple jokes about being Filipino. They were like, you know what? You suck. Go leave. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I leave. And then one of the producers chases after me. And they're like, hey, we actually want to see you again. And I was like, I was a horrible set. I don't know why they would want to see me again. They bring me back on. Greg Giraldo is like, hey, I want to hear more of your Mexican Filipino material. Do you have any more Mexican Filipino material? I'm like, yeah, sure. I do my thing. There's like, we still don't like you. Go away. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> I leave. Um, Alex goes on. Alex doesn't do well. We go home a couple months later season premiere i watched the show one of the first segments of the show is greg giraldo saying hey you know what um we've been going through the auditions and you know what i hate you know what i hate about a lot of these comics when they do hacky racial material and it immediately cuts to me doing the filipino mexican material they brought oh. me back for to do it and i was like you guys suck but that's a tv credit let's go and <laughs> It was wild because that was, I probably didn't do stand up for another year after that, but I weirdly had this shitty credit of like the what not to do on last comic standing. And I actually, since I was so early in my career, it actually like gave me like bump ups in the comedy world. So even though like, you know, my, maybe only had 10 minutes and I wasn't that good, they would have me like feature on a show here or there. Or I could headline this thing or if it was a year long waiting list to get on a bar show, they would get me in, in a couple months because they're like, oh, you have a credit. And it's weird because it was such a shit way to get a credit, but at the same time, like it really helped me level up faster, uh, which I'm really grateful for. And that credit was able to get me in the door to you know, do stuff for BuzzFeed. I ended up doing a bunch of stuff for BuzzFeed because they were like, oh, you're on last comic standing, cool. And I'm like, but you don't get it. I wasn't like in the top 10, I didn't win. They're like, no, it's fine, it's a credit. Um, it was really fascinating, really, really fascinating. Uh, but yeah, that's how uh, Greg Giraldo uh, screwed me on Last Comic Standing. But he's also dead, so it's fine. It's his yeah, that's what you get, isn't it? <laughs> that's what you get if you uh, hustle Eric Escobar, you a heart attack. Oh, wait, you know what are you dying? Was it suicide with me? Uh, rest in peace, Greg Giraldo. We still love you. But the thing, the thing about it is... <laughs> Thank you for bringing me back on. Sick. Well, we are. I missed some of it.
Hello? Hey, I got you. Can you hear me? Cool. I got you. And then I, I remember you talking and then it got a minute later and I said something and then boom. All I remember is you, Greg Givaldo, he died of suicide, right? <laughs> Did he? I don't know. He died of something. He's definitely not alive anymore. <laughs> no, I heard a crazy story that Greg Giraldo, the way he like really kind of rose up in comedy is he was a lawyer. So when comics would get like DUIs or like, you know, they drunk driving or whatever, they were in jail. Greg Giraldo would act as their lawyer pro bono for free. And then in return, they'd be like, oh, cool. I'll take you on the road or I'll let you headline the show. <laughs> That's how he like kind of rose up the ranks. He was just like the comic lawyer for a while and traded it for stage time. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, haven't you? <laughs> Amen. That's good currency. But except do anything, anything mis miscellaneous in terms of like if 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 if, if, a, if a producer went over to you, Eric, and said, "Listen here, Sonny Jim, if you want to get some good spots, you got to do some dirty stuff to me." <laughs> I would be like, "My name's Sonny Eric." Why are you calling me Sunny Jim, producer? Get my name right first before I touch your pee pee. Um, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like that stuff happens slash has happened a lot in the industry. There's a lot of dirty stuff that goes down. There's a lot of dirty people out there. Um, but also with everything going on, you know, with the speaking out movement, with the Me Too movement, um, with uh, who's that dirty guy Weinstein with Harvey Weinstein? I think it's making it not okay to do that and people are like speaking out about that and before it was like well i guess i have to you know do this thing and it's like no you don't have to you're a human with rights and you're good and i feel like a lot of that dirty stuff is going away or at least i hope it is i haven't Slightly. touched a producer's penis in at least three months so <laughs> um i think it's mostly because of the pandemic but you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah i mean Getting the credit and getting that, I mean, it, it, it definitely, I mean, it must have helped you a lot doing better shows because you get to get better comedians, you get to pick their brains, you get to see what they do. And then it, it's like a quick, it's a bit like a comedy, so it basically gave you a good comedy course. For sure, yeah. And I think it's, it's weird because the mindset of a lot of clubs and producers and shows and venues is I'm going to book a comic with TV credits because if people watch that TV show, they're going to come and watch that comic. And I feel like it's kind of an outdated way of looking at things. Like, just cause you know, I might be a comic who's been on this show and this show and this show. It's not like 20 years ago when everyone's watching TV and everyone's coming out to watch it. Now, if you have more Instagram followers, someone with massive Instagram followers or Twitter followers can probably bring out more people to a show than someone with TV credits who, you know, maybe, doesn't have as much pull and I think it's weird because getting that tv credit meant really kind of like nothing like I, I, I'm just a dude I didn't do anything special or whatever but in everyone's mind it like leveled me up which was like oh like that's not sincere but I'll take it and I will use whatever I can to <laughs> you know get ahead like I need to I need to use whatever tools are at my disposal to you know get those spots and get those open mics and get those you know road gigs yeah, but now you have, but, but since you had that, I mean, now you do, you, it's ironically, you do have those credits because of that thing, or you got exactly. more to say. What a weird journey we're all on. <laughs> yeah. What's, 
So I remember going to the LA Comedy Store a few years back and I saw what's Sweet. it called, all the big ones. Like I was in the original room. I saw, yeah. um, I didn't, I really wanted to see Joe Rogan. I wanted to see what he was like because I admire him as a person. But I saw Eliza Schelzinger, the okay. Jeff Garland. I saw, oh, hell yeah. I saw Dane Cook and oh. a few <laughs> other comics. <laughs> And then, then I saw Kevin Nealon. And oh, that's cool. That's weird because he actually, he does a lot of stuff over at the Laugh Factory. I feel like all the headliners kind of have the clubs that they, their home clubs. But it's always really exciting when someone from the Laugh Factory goes to the improv. Or you know what I mean? Someone from the improv like goes to the comedy store. It's always like, wow, they're here. Ah. Um, that sounds like an amazing night. Did you enjoy it? Did you have a good time? It was a good night, but I mean, some of them did better than others. Like, Jeff Garland was my favorite comedian and, like, Kevin Nealon. Eliza Schelzinger didn't hit with me. And what's it called? Uh, Dane Cook didn't really hit with me that well either. Yeah. Well, Jeff Garland, what's crazy about him is I've seen him oh, a few times, not too many times, a few times, but his set is so crowd work heavy. You know what I mean? And I feel like good material. So at the comedy store, it's this beautiful place where comics can come in, big comics can come in and test out their material. Um, but sometimes it's not like shiny yet. You know what I mean? Like the bits aren't finished, the material aren't finished. But with Garland, he's not really like practicing too much material. He's just really kind of like vibing and hanging out. And it's so fun to see him in his element. You know what I mean? Like he's just talking to people and he's being hilarious. There's a couple of comics in the UK like that. Like Russell Hicks is good at that. Um, Yo, I have, a, I have a story about Russell hand. Hicks. Oh, okay. Tell us. So there, there used to be, and I've heard this kind of through the grapevine and I've worked this club a couple of times. I've heard it there, but I don't know how true this is. I like to believe it's super true. Russell Hicks is probably one of the best crowd work comics out there right now. Off the cuff, super funny, super good. And he did something that isn't a thing in Southern California or LA. It just, no one has it. I think he had a residency as the feature of a club called the Comedy Palace in San Diego. So every weekend, it wasn't like they had a new host, a new feature, a new headliner. They had a new headliner, they had a new host, but Russell was always the feature set. So he would always go in the middle, do his 20. And there was a seven o'clock show and a nine o'clock show. Right after Russell got off the stage for the seven o'clock show, half the audience would stand up and they would leave because they would go to the box office and buy tickets to the nine o'clock show and start a line for the nine o'clock show. Halfway through the seven o'clock, they would miss the headliner because they wanted to see Russell again. So as a feature, he was drawing people and they would leave and not watch the headliner just so they could see him again that night for the second show. And Ooh. I was like, that is, that is, I wish I could do that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's huge. You're like mastering comedy. If people are leaving a show to watch you again for the next show. You, if you go to the UK scene, you'll probably see a lot more of that. that a lot more comedians improvising a little bit, but not desperately like doing a set as well, but there'll be a bit more imp improvising. But yeah, he's, he's not cool. necessarily got that here, but he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's signed and he's doing very well. He does all the big clubs and he's like a pro comic. Yeah. But yeah, he is quite incredible. And there's another- We comedian. missed him in California. 
there's another comedian you, you could look up who's good at that, uh, Pat Monahan. You know what? I've heard that name. I'm actually writing it down right now. I don't know if I've ever caught, is it he, she, Pat, she, he. Pat, he? he. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever caught Pat's stuff, but like in the verse, I've heard that name. So I definitely want to see what all that hype is about. I'm sure he's amazing. I'm sure he's wonderful. And then there's Ian Voice as well, but th- he's dead. But it's, it's he, <laughs> if you see a few clips online, sucks. he's, he's, he's oh, good. Um, great crowd work there's a lot of i mean do you watch is it who are like top sort of warrant comedians like jeff um the roast man what's his face jeff ross jeff ross he was a warm up man for tv wouldn't he i believe he was there's a lot of comics out here who back when you know we had audiences for tv shows they were doing a lot of warm-up work and um i picked up some warm-up work here and there and it's interesting because i feel like when you do that it really forces you to get better at crowd work because you're not, you're not doing material. You might sneak in a joke here or there, but it really is like, what's your name? Where are you guys from? Oh, cool. Is it a couple over here? First time being here? And you turn that into a joke. And you're doing it for like eight hours. <laughs> so you really just got to keep churning out, you know, your brain material. Is it, is it true that in the, in the, I mean, I saw it as well in the LA Comedy Store, but the host, like he didn't really do anything. He just did material and then he introduced the next act. Is, is that how it normally goes in the big shows that the, the host does material introduces that done? I, I would say yes. As a comic in LA, I really like when hosts just are like, clap it up for your next comic is. Clap it up for your next comic is. The only time I don't like that is if someone, let's just say someone really, really bombs before me. I don't mind be like, clap it up for whatever. Here's Eric Escobar. But it's nice when the host kind of gives them a little bit of a, here's a couple jokes just to get you guys back in the rhythm. You know what I mean? Um, I I think it's kind of weird, like comedy, culture, what's the word? Like appropriateness or just like good vibes when it's like the host is doing minimal material in between. Um, And I think at the comedy store, it's a big deal because the comedy store is so legendary Chappelle could drop in at any moment you know what I mean like Louis CK would drop in randomly you know what I mean all these big names can drop in randomly so you might time out a 60 minute show or an 80 minute show but if someone comes in and they want to do 15 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes host you can't be just telling people and extending it you gotta Ah, get people people out you know what I mean because at any point someone could be like I want to do 45 and it's on the host to keep the night on track Fucking hell! But what if what if yeah. they what if the what if the axe bombing like the people are having a shit time? Hey man, if Eliza Schlesinger bombs or Dan Cook bombs, no one's gonna tell them they bombed. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Consult your 15." You know what I mean? You're Dane Cook. Like, cause if I was if I was Dane Cook and a club was like, "Oh yeah, you can drop in and do 15 minutes whenever," and then I'm doing my time and I'm bombing and they light me at five minutes or they light me at ten minutes. I'm going to be like, screw this club. They didn't even give me my time. And the club, they are not going to have Dane Cook anymore. And they want Dane Cook to be a regular. You know what I mean? I'm just using him oh. as an example. But, you know, it's, it's politics. There's a lot of politics in LA. Oh, yeah. A lot in London, too. But it's... Oh, I'm sure of it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not going to ask you about the politics because it could get you in. But... <laughs> I'm an open book, baby. <laughs> It, it's 
yeah it's so it's i can imagine it's a it's a very sort of people are so hungry for spots and they're so they're so they're like people are like homeless people grabbing a grabbing a in and out burger they're gonna fight for it and it's like they 100%. don't care there's no morals or anything like they they're so hungry for it that they will they even throw their best friend under the bus some people oh yeah totally it, it can get dirty and Kind of like what I was saying earlier about pay. Like New York, I think there are definitely some so there there are paid spots in New York, which is really great for New York, and I think it's because it's such a comedy city. But in LA, it's fascinating because it's kind of a showcase town. And if you run a show in LA and you're like Eric, I'm going to give you five dollars for this show, or you know, like five pounds for the show, or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Like, is it is it possible if I get twenty bucks, twenty pounds, or you know, could I get get a free dinner, or could I get you know maybe a little extra? For you, you're like no because I'm offering you five bucks, but there's literally a hundred other comics who will come out and do this for free. Or they'll even pay me to get on the show. Or they'll like get five friends to come out and come with them to the show where they're all paying covers. Like it's, it's not about how good you are a lot of the time. It's about like, or getting paid. It's about like, well, there's a million other people who can do this, who can probably bring in more money. So why would I even choose you? And why should I even pay you? You know what I mean? If anything, you should be paying me to get stage time. Yeah, it's the same in New York as well. I think it's very, it's yeah. It, that, well, that's the thing with comedy. Isn't it? Not, it's not always about the, the funniness. It's, it's it, lots of things. So you got to be a charmer. You got to be smart. You got to be like James Bond, effectively. Yeah. <laughs> James Bond with good hierarchy things. Yeah, just James Bond. You got to be like James Bond. <laughs> well, it's to be honest. Like your reputation is everything. You know what I mean? Like if. I do a show with you and I don't know you. And someone was like, how's Marvin? I'd be like, he was great. He was funny. He was awesome. But like, if I were to do that show and someone was like, Hey, how's Eric? And I had a bad night. You know what I mean? Or like I rubbed the host the wrong way. They'd be like, ah, don't book Eric. And that's like, that can spread. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't, what did I do wrong? I just like had a bad night. Um, it's really, and especially with, you know, cancel culture going on. It's, it's insane because I, it's a quick story. I was running uh -huh. an open mic and this guy came in and um, he basically had like kind of a sketchy past and uh, he came in super late and I thought someone wrote his name on the open mic list as a joke. So I skipped over him. And then a female comic was like, Hey, he's actually here. You should put him up. And I was like, well, if this female comic is saying do it, I'll, I'll just give him a couple minutes and then tell him he can't come back anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like, he's here. He's in waiting. Hey man, just get, you know, you're not going to get your full 10. Just here's a couple and you got to bounce. He did a set, walked around. I'm like, Hey man, it's not really a safe space. If you're here, thank you for coming, but you probably shouldn't come back. The next morning on Twitter, there was this uh, page or profile or whatever that was like, Eric is running a show where he's booking um, a horrible person. So we got to cancel Eric Escobar. Uh, he's, booking all these horrible people i'm like one it's an open mic i didn't know two what are you talking about because it was all like shame on eric he's a horrible human being and it was scary because even though you know i probably just shouldn't have let him up or whatever just because i let this comic up i'm like i was for a quick minute banned from all these shows and banned from going to open mics just because i had that rub from that and then i messaged him i'm like you don't get the story what's going on like you this is what i did and then they like took down all the tweets and they were like, oh, just kidding. Eric's a good guy. But the point of the story is like, you cannot even realize 
you did something wrong or that you're attached to something and with one tweet or with one person telling someone everything can be gone which is like oh geez this is very scary because i've worked 10 years to build up reputation and that 10 years doesn't mean shit because i ran an open mic where i gave a guy a couple minutes and told him not to come back mm. Yeah, in the UK comedy is not that bad. Definitely not that bad, but is 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 it is iffy to to a degree as well. But um, iffy. <laughs> I it's a funny stage name, isn't it? Because I always think of iffy as a like a word you use for something a bit. Yeah. But it's well, it hey, is what it hat, is. He can do whatever he wants. I think he does as well with with the white people, but. Uh, I think a main thing in comedy at the moment is get to the stage where you don't have to bother about any of the rubbish and have your own audience, they develop your craft, get good, and that's it. I think anything else isn't really that important in the end of the day because then you don't have to suck, I, suck in up to anyone you don't need to. I agree. I think it's, you know, whatever I do, I'm going to do the best me I can. I'm going to try to be a better artist, be a better comic, work on better material, work on my craft because I love this craft. It's just so annoying when you try to be like, I'm not going to deal with the bull, but then the, the bull kind of comes and gets you. <laughs> and you're like, um, we all got into this for fun. You know what I mean? We all enjoy comedy. We all want to keep doing comedy. But yeah, the politics is really, it's unfortunate. It's super unfortunate. And I wish it was, you know, I wish we all just could have a good time. Just be happy and have a great time. I think some of it is maybe due to laziness as well. Cause I, I mean, if, if, if someone, if, if someone has the chance of getting famous and yeah. it's, it's quite an easy way of like stealing someone's joke or stealing persona or like if they, if they have the opportunities given them in the way and they're presented with it, a lot of people will probably take it because they don't, a lot of people want to be famous, but they don't always want to do it for the right way. And they don't care about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is there's a, there's a great comic in um, West Hollywood, and then there's another comic who got on one of the late night shows, I think it was like Fallon or something, and she stole the West Hollywood comics joke on live TV. And it's kind of crazy because it's like, yo, you shouldn't do that. Don't steal someone's joke and do it on live TV. But at the same time, like everyone was really heated about it, then they all forgot about it. And now this person has a TV credit and they're doing great. And it's kind of like insane where it's like, oh man, like it's, it's getawayable, which is really unfortunate. You know what I mean? Cause people can get mad, but then they're just going to like, be like, all right, that was last week's news while they're booking a headlining tour. Yeah. I mean, that thing that Carlos Mencia, it was good that it happened, but it's still not really addressed the problem that, that big in a way of like identity theft or like joke theft. I'm glad he got called out, but you know, he's probably not pulling the numbers he was pulling, but he's still working. People are still oh. watching him. Yeah, he's still doing well and he's he makes a good living from it and he's he's yeah. doing fine during this pandemic, so he's not bothered, is he? I um I've been looking up clubs kind of like just all over to see like who's opening, where I can submit, where can I get some bookings, where can I get something on the calendar? And it was crazy cuz throughout all my research, you know, I'll submit to dozens of clubs a week you know what i mean probably, probably like 100 plus and it's crazy how much i see his name still pop up all across the country you know what i mean it's he's everywhere he's doing he's doing good it's just i don't think anyone ever expected it i thought everyone thought he was gonna get canceled and that'd be it 
Yeah. It's it. At the end of the day, I think people, as you said, comedy, it's a business. They want them, they want tickets, they want to make money and they want people to laugh. And the, I think America is a hundred percent capitalist. The UK, there's oh, a bit a of maybe percent. like kindness and a bit of hold back in it. But like in America, there is no holding back on capitalism or like it is completely doggy dog, isn't it, in America? It is, but it's also, I feel like I'm kind of like Bane. Um, I was born in the darkness. I lived in the darkness and I crawled my way out. <laughs> like it's kind of, um, it's kind of all I know. You know what I mean? That like very, everyone's going to be aggressive. Everyone's kind of, you know, stabbing back for spots. So I just want to, you know, make sure I'm being a good human being, you know, and just hustling the best I can and just working as hard as I can and trying not to screw anyone over. Just trying to have that good reputation because it's, it is very doggy dog. And that's just kind of like the world of comedy I came up in. So one day I'll hopefully go to the UK for a couple of weeks and do some comedy out there and feel a little more love. And I would really be excited to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, but it's no, not always, always better here over here. It's, it's, I think we're in each comedy scene across the world, there's this funny business going on and it's like, oh, totally just to it, make sure the business it's, it's the way there's all sorts of funny business. I mean, I think if me and you found out everything that went on that was iffy, it would probably make us ill. <laughs> I, I'm already a little ill, but I, uh, I drink my coffee, I hate eat some burritos, and I get through it. Um, I also like how you referred to it as funny business. <laughs> I don't, what else is there? This, I, it's a polite it works way on like of... three levels. <laughs> if... if... Yeah, I think it's better to be quiet with a lot of things. Just get on with your thing and just, just, yeah, just don't, yeah, just be quiet and be try and be funny. <laughs> That's it. I agree. You know, I could, I could give in to the the crap and like the annoyance of all the drama, or I could just work on the best me. You know what I mean? And that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to be the best comic I can be, be the best person I can be, and just like make this sustainable. Like that's that's the focus. It's not like let me get into this drama or let me like talk shit or give into the shit over here it's like no nah, i just want to be I just, I just really enjoy telling jokes and i just want to keep telling jokes <laughs> so with la being a very unique scene what's been a crazy moment you've come across in la like in terms of stand-up what's, what's the most mental thing you've seen between acts and the audience so this i'm gonna cheat a little bit because this isn't la but i was just in oregon um, doing some shows at a casino uh as soon as i get on stage some guy bum rushes the stage tries to attack me yo can you get out of my face please i haven't told the joke yet security please come through he does it again security can come through he sits down starts yelling at me from the stage i get my five minute light i probably do 10 more seconds and then i leave <laughs> i'm like this is dumb i don't want to be a part of this um, I was featured and I bring up the headliner, uh, headliner starts going off of him. Guy tries to start a fight. Turns out he had a concealed carry on him. He had a gun on him. And I was like, man, can we not like fight at comedy shows and pull out guns? That's, that's a lot to experience. Um, so that was really annoying. That was over in Oregon. Um, still no security, by the way, security never came. I would say, and no one got shot. There's just like some shoving and it was annoying. The cops came eventually, but <laughs> in, in LA, what's the craziest thing I've seen in LA? Um, 
I think something you see kind of on the regular is comics will get in fights over stolen jokes, but it's like, you'll see like two or three comics, like start a shoving match in an alley, start punching each other, start getting rowdy. And I'll be like, yo, whoa, what's going on? Let's split it up. Let's stop it. Why are you guys fighting? What happened? And he's like, yo, I got a joke about um, pooping outside. And he's got a joke about uh, peeing in the woods and it's too similar. So we're getting in a fight. I'm like, you guys are literally fighting over a poop joke. Like that's, stop it. You don't have to fight over that. We're literally performing in front of four people. I don't think they're gonna care. Let's ease the tension. But um, that happens a lot. Like joke accusations of like joke theft. There was actually two comics. And from what I understand, um, one comic, I think he got signed. So he started like doing more like work where he had to do longer time and he didn't have time. So I'm not hundred percent is he asked another who's a writer, like, Hey, do you think you could help me write some material? So when I go on the road, I have enough time to like fill these slots. And he, (laughs) he gave him the jokes, but the other comic never paid him. So he basically stole material. You know what I mean? Cause like, Hey, I'm going to write you some jokes, pay me this money. And he took the jokes and he never paid him. And uh, this is like years ago. And it was a lot of drama. I was at a show where they were both at, they were both booked. They got in like a fight at the show. But just like a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, they actually had a legitimate boxing match. They like scheduled, scheduled a boxing match. They both trained for it. And they both got in like a legitimate like fight in front of a crowd with like a referee to like settle the score. And the writer guy, he, he won as he should. But uh, that was pretty crazy. Well, I think that might be a good thing for comedians. Instead of all this other business, if you've got an issue with someone, go to go and do a bit of sparring in the gym. Not necessarily like a proper fight, but just spar a bit or something. And live out there, be controlled. Marvin, if there's one thing I know about comics and there's one thing you know about comics, everyone's dirty. Someone's going to be packing some knuckles. Someone's going to be packing like a knife. Probably. I feel like you put them in the same area. Ooh. Yeah, that's true. This, this. <laughs> or rather American comics can be a little bit rough around the edges <laughs> well they'll see who the better fighter is then in the end even with all the dirtiness exactly <laughs> just keep it fair guys keep it fair so and ha- what what um so what advice would you give to someone looking to navigate the LAC <laughs> Um, if you're trying to navigate the LA scene, um, if you don't like someone, then you don't have to like them, but don't start drama and don't start like, don't egg anyone on. If they're, you know, try not to burn any bridges, just be nice to everyone. And if you don't vibe, you don't vibe, but don't be like a dick towards them just because they could be working with you, you know, in a year or two years. Just like be nice to everyone, work on your craft. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of people in LA respect the hustle. So like, if you're doing an open mic once every three weeks and you ask to be on a show, they're going to be like, well, okay, maybe you might have a good tape. But even if someone might be not as funny, but they're a kind human being, you see like every night they're trying to do a bit of a mic and they're always posting about the shows they're on. Then like you're doing stuff and I respect your hustle. I respect your work ethic. So I want to book you on this show. So yeah, just like be kind, work hard. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I feel like a lot of comics out in LA try to like, 
keep shows secret or keep like what they're getting paid secret. No, let's all, we should all know what we're getting paid so no one gets screwed. And we should all know, you know, like what are the good shows? Cause if I really believe, you know, if, if comedy just gets better and it's a rising tide, what is it? A rising tide raises all boats. I don't know what the phrase is, but we're all in this to help each other. We're a community. Let's all just hustle and be good to each other. Yeah. It's, and so have you, did you, so you started out in LA and you, you've kept in I just, LA. I started in LA. I did an open mic in 08. I didn't, I did the last comic standing audition in 2010. And then I really got serious in 2012. And um, I kind of never looked back, you know, as soon as I got started, you know, I had a couple of weeks of do a thing here, do a thing there, but then it became, you know, like every day, let's just grind it out, go to an open mic, book a show, whatever we can. How, how do you find like, what's, what's the structure of the LA scene in terms of growing, progressing and like, how do the, how are the big dogs in LA? How do they treat other comics and like, what have been examples like you bumping into someone like Bill Burr or something like that? I think um, LA is really reflective of America in that there's no middle class of comedy. Um, <laughs> we're all either like starting out, hustling up, going to mics, or if you live in LA, you're a Bill Burr, you're a Whitney Cummings, you're, you know, writing something big. And it's, it's interesting because I think it's totally doable to bridge that gap. But a lot of it is, you know, you go to some open mics, maybe you start and you run your own open mic or you run your own show. And when you run your own show, you start booking the people who you want to book and you start booking the people, you know, if you have a little, little budget, you want to book a Bill Burr, you know what I mean? You want to book a Dane Cook if they're available. So it really is kind of that thing of like, once you start producing shows, you start producing shows and booking other comics that you want to work with. So when they start booking other shows, they'll book you. It's kind of like favor for favor. Yeah. And then hopefully, um, yeah, you just like grow and progress and do your thing. And eventually, you know, people are actually booking you on more things and you gain a nice reputation and people like you. And if a big time comic happens to like come in and like do a set, if you do your best, they might take you on the road. They might give you a guest set. But you just got to keep asking. You just got to keep being open and being nice and have that good reputation and build that up. Yeah. But it only takes a little thing for that reputation to go. <laughs> Which is horrifying. Yeah. Like, like I said, if you had, if someone asked me if another comic did well or how another comic is, if I'm cool with them, I'll definitely be like, oh, yeah, you know, they're a close friend. Definitely vouch for them. I like them. But if it's someone I don't know, it's kind of like, uh, they didn't do great the night I saw them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, they did good the night I saw them, but it was a different kind of crowd and I don't know how they are. Like, that one thing, like, I don't want to tear anyone down, but like, it's going to be that thing where it's like, I, I don't know how well they do. You know what I mean? Like, when I saw them, I'm sure they had their good nights, but it was kind of weird. Um, and it's crazy to see how like, that can, I don't want to throw out negativity. But I just want to be honest and be like, I think they're good, but uh but it can, that, like, if someone, if I had a bad night, someone said that about me, and they're like, oh, I don't know if, like, Eric's that good. I didn't like him on that one show I saw. That could cancel me from, like, three or four other shows, because there's a crew running that show, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the little clicks in LA, and they're like, say, oh, this one said that, this one said that. Exactly, because there's definitely, like, a click at the comedy store. Like, the comedy store has, like, the comedy store regulars. 
And then in Long Beach, where, you know, 15 minutes from me, there's a bunch of like Long Beach comics who do their own thing. In Orange County, there's a bunch of comics who do their own thing. They all go to the same mics and all do their thing. It's, it's very clicky out here, which I think really separates LA from a lot of other cities because in a lot of other cities, there's a scene. There's one club, you work out of that one club, you know, all the comics in the area. In LA, there's like eight to 10 scenes and you're just kind of like, um, I think I know you, have I seen you before? Do I know you? Oh, we did a show five years ago together. Good to see you again. You know what I mean? There's so much going on. Yeah, it's, I, wait, so with the, with the, and one thing I noticed at the comedy store is that they had things like the potluck and they had the kill tones. Yes. How, what do you think of them and how do you find them? I think they're great. I think the, the potluck is, it's, it's a wonderful time to get seen, or it's a wonderful thing to do to get seen at the store. Um, but it's also kind of a gamble because maybe the booker won't be there. You know what I mean? I remember there was an old booker named Tommy. I think he got the potluck once and I think I was number like seven and he left after like number five. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, that would have been cool, but he didn't see me. Um, and then, you know, with something like Kill Tony, I think it's a great platform. I think it's really, really good for comics to get their name out there. It's, uh, it's fun. It's exciting. Um, I'm all for just like comedy getting bigger. And I think those two things allowed comedy to get bigger. So I'm all for it. But sometimes, you know, you really have to like, like I've heard at the store, you know, sometimes you have to sign up a couple times before they actually pick you for the potluck. Just show you're serious. You know what I mean? Sometimes you might get lucky in your first or second time, but there are people who've gone for a few weeks and they like never get up. So there's always kind of like that, like, oh, okay, I'm doing what's best for me. I'm trying to grow, but I also, if I get my, I don't want to get my hopes up too high in case I don't get it. You know what I mean? Or in case they don't see me. I, I saw a funny incident on YouTube where there was this woman called Ali Makovsky. And I, I did meet her in LA and she like, okay. supports uh, Joe Rogan or whatever. And I remember seeing some episode on Kill Tony where there's, there was a bit of beef between her and some Spanish comedian. Oh. But she was the judges. And she was like, the, like she was saying, they, they, they roast comedians, don't they, in Kill Tony? And like she says, Yeah, they're fun. She said something to the other one, and then she said something to her, and then it got got quite heated in there. That's just good content. <laughs> oh, it was. It was entertaining to watch, but <laughs> it's how, I mean, it is really a bit, they say that flattery gets you everywhere. And that's, I'm, I'm, are you saying, hold on a second. Me saying that at the moment where I'm talking about is coming across the wrong way. No. <laughs> <laughs> But it is, I mean, that's, that was sort of an example of that it's, I hear things in LA that if you're friends with, if you start going to a gig in a certain place, then one click won't like you. Or if you go to another place, then they don't like you, as you say, or. Yeah, but I think the goal is just don't give anyone a reason to not like you. Because <laughs> they'll snap at it like hell in LA. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's even, you know, there's even comics in LA where it's like, yo, like, we see each other all the time, and I may not like you, I don't, I don't really like your vibe, I don't know if, whatever, but, like, whatever, man, I'm not gonna, like, be mean to you, I'm just gonna be like, yo, you're, we're just not gonna be best friends, you know what I mean, we're just gonna be acquaintances, and you do your thing, I do my thing. 
So, and one of the things you said there about you can't be honest in LA, that's that's a bloody bit of a bummer though, isn't it? Because if you can't be honest with someone, how are you, how are you and them going to get better? If you can't... I, I feel like something bigger than flattery is sincerity. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather be someone who, or be with, not, I would rather be someone and hang out with someone who maybe they're not like flattery central but they're like really nice and they're kind and they're being sincere and they're being real and maybe they have some edge to them but it's like yo i trust them and i trust her and i know even that edge is it, it's real you know what i mean that that realness i think will get you farther but a lot of people try to not be real because they want to be you know that perfect image <laughs> so people will work with them it's it but it's it's funny how are you gonna and then you, if you keep putting that perfect image inside, you're going to screw yourself over. And it's, yeah, but how are you There's a lot of people who are famous and big who screwed up on the inside. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet they are. But, but I want to ask, if, if I have permission to ask, what you said you're... Yes, but, but 17 inches. Thank you for the information. Okay. That's a good Tinder profile. That's good to share with people. <laughs> now, what's, how have you found sort of like the bigger comics when you've met them like off stage and on stage? Say it one more time. With some of the bigger comics in LA, how do you find them when you speak to them off stage? Um, I think like obviously everyone's trying to like get on their D you know what I mean everyone's trying to flatter them everyone's trying to like pay compliments everyone's everyone's kind of trying to like get something from them or I wouldn't say everyone but a lot of people are and they feel that you know they, they know like every night there's going to be a few people be like oh I love you you're so great uh, like what can I get from you or whatever and it's um it's one of those things where it's like you got to be kind of aware of that and just be a human in front of them you know what I mean like if I if there's a bigger comic sure i might go over and be like hey man great to meet you like i'm really happy that i got to see you tonight because you're huge um but not just blowing smoke up their butt is probably the best call you know i think it's it's super i think you would get more mileage i don't know saying mileage but you would get a better look and you would have a better connection with someone if instead of saying you know like hey, I love you for this, I like you for that, I like you for this. this, is amazing, I can't believe you did this, oh, what work can you give me, can I go on the road with you? Like, instead of doing that, what if you were just like, hey, if it's cool, can I, just, can I just ask for just like a little bit of advice? Or, hey, you know, I'm going on the road for my first time headlining somewhere, and uh, they're booking me for an hour, so I'm trying to build more time. Do you have any things you could say about that? You know what I mean? And really kind of connecting to them on a human level. Like, oh, I saw that you were working there. How is it? You know what I mean? Like, just talk like a normal person. <laughs> and who, 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 who's been like a, like a comic that you've come across on Famous who's as nice as they are on TV as they are in face-to-face? -face? Ooh. Um... A lot of them are kind of just like, because here's the thing, like, like you, like me, when we're on stage, we're us, we're just like, we turn it up a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, instead of being like Eric at a level five, I'm Eric at a seven, or Eric at a six and a half, or Eric at a 17 inches. And I feel like a lot of comics are the same way, where it's like, 
they're the same person off stage. They're just maybe a little less, um, you know, they get tired after a long night. You know, they like to drink their coffee. They like to <laughs> hang out for a minute. They're, they're normal people. Um, but in terms of like nice comics, there's a comic named Rex Navaretti who I don't know if um, he has a big following in the UK, but he has a big following here in the States, uh, primarily with the Filipino community. And I've gotten to work with him a few times. And he's one of like the nicest, coolest dudes. Really liked him a lot. Um, I, I did a show once with uh, Seinfeld and I thought he was going to be, I had this image that he was gonna be like super OCD and weird, but he was like a nice guy, you know, very kind, but also he had to get work done. Like, I think we were talking for a couple of minutes and he was like, oh, excuse me, I'm gonna go on stage. And then he went on stage and everyone gave him a standing ovation before he said a word. And I was like, oh, oh my Lord. <laughs> that's awesome that is <clears throat> one of the what have you seen have you gigged with a comic who's completely changed since they made it and you've been like come on man you used to be cool and now you're like yo what's up with you don't say the name <laughs> exactly I was going to say there's definitely a couple people who I can think of right now where it's like yo we did shows together we were cool we did mics together uh, maybe we weren't like buddy buddy, but we would like chat. We would hang out, you know. We we're good acquaintances, and then um, you know they would they would book like SNL or they would book like a big TV show, and they would get busy, which I understand. Before you know, if I like sent a text, the text would be sent back. Or if I saw you and we ended up like hitting it off, we could talk for a while. But then it becomes like, oh, you don't like respond, like you don't react to any Instagram messages, or like we do a show together and kind of just like, oh hey, what's up? And you're like go like wait in your car or something like i've seen that happen a couple times but i'm not one to judge i don't know what you're going through maybe you're under a lot of stress maybe you're really annoyed maybe you had this dream job that you thought you were going to make it with and then you hate it <laughs> you know what i mean like it happens to people i i hope that if that ever happened to me or when it happens to me i'm still the same guy i'm and still nice and still kind and still treating people with respect the same respect that i gave them before hmm. what what has been the what have been what's what do you enjoy most about comedy apart from like getting the laughs um i like the hang i feel like the hang is really cool i think comics like we're humans we're people but if you're like grinding out to like be a comedian and you're putting up with all the crap that it takes to be a comedian and you're hustling as hard as you can to be a comic that's a that's it, it's it's a type of person and when I'm at a club and for a weekend, I get to hang out with those type of people who just get it. They understand it. You know what I mean? Like I remember a few months, a few months ago, probably a year ago, I remember I was doing this club. I was featuring, a good friend of mine was headlining and uh, another comic was emceeing. And there was a point where we were all at the bar on our phones, like fighting with our partners. Like I was fighting with my girlfriend. She was fighting with her girlfriend. And the MC was like fighting like with his wife. Like we were all just like kind of on the phone, just drinking beers. We're all like, hold on a second. I need to take care of this. And it's like one of those things where it's like, who else understands the, the guilt and the annoyance and the, the sadness and the stress of being on the road for a couple of days, doing the thing that you love most while your girlfriend, your wife, your partner or your husband or your boyfriend is like mad at you for being gone and you have to deal with both. No one gets that. 
But in that moment, we all understood it. Because we were like laughing, having a good time. I was like, hey, I need to hold on to talk to my girlfriend really quick. And they were like, oh, yeah, we, we got to check in too because we've been fighting all day. And it's things like that, you know what I mean? Like comics just get things that a lot of us or a lot of humans and civilians don't really get, you know, talking over shitty club owners, talking over great club owners, talking about like how rooms are set up in weird ways for comedy. Like they're all the little things that I think that we love, but we have no one to talk to about it until we like do comedy with other people. And I, and I love that. I love that connections that only comics have with each other. It is, it is what's it called as, um, I watched the What The Fuck podcast with Mark Maron. Yeah, man. He says sort of things that all comedians share. Some of us are borderline criminals and there's all sorts of like mental derangedness in comedy. But at the end of the day, we respect, you got to respect people who do the art and we can understand it. There, there are big comics who people may not like and they're like, oh, they're not funny. Oh, I don't, I don't think their new album is good. And it's like, yo, I might not like them either. I might not be the biggest fan of material. But yo, if they have a Netflix special, I have all the respect in the world for them. If they get a TV spot, I have all the respect in the world for them. If they're on the road getting full-time work, especially right now, I don't care if, you know, I like you or don't like you, but I a thousand percent respect you for, for, for being one of me and accomplishing the amazing things that they accomplish. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, what's it called? In the UK, a lot of comedians criticize Jack Whitehall and Michael McIntyre and I think in the in the US Eliza Schelzing it gets quite a bit of slack and so does Amy Schumer she gets some heat yeah well Amy Schumer I think gets slack for a different reason though <laughs> I think that's our like that's our line it's like I, I've always thought there's like two rules in comedy you know what I mean like just be funny and don't steal <laughs> And as soon as even like the rumor of stealing is out there, it's like, yeah, I don't know if you're one of us anymore. You're even kicked out of the club. You know what I mean? But this guy, he, uh, he is a major alcoholic and heroin addict, but he doesn't steal. So we'll get him over you. And it's like, whoa, like our standards are so weird. <laughs> like what we value and don't value. And it's, yeah, it's a quite a funny thing. And LA itself, it's what what. So how how does the structure of for if if someone wants to progress in LA and not apart from like etiquette, what is the tender structure for that LA comics go through? Like they're an open mic, five spot, ten spot, fifteen minute spot, forty five minutes, two hour spot. Totally, I would say it's. So what's kind of cool about LA is a lot of the places that run open mics also might run like a monthly showcase or, you know, a show that's booked every now and again. So I think you start out, um, and also I'm going to preface this where there's like no solid path. Like, I hope we all make it, but if we all make it, we're all going to get there in very different ways. You know what I mean? So like you start out kind of going to some open mics, uh, maybe you start doing shows and in bars or coffee shops, or you maybe get a book spot at an open mic. Um, from there, you know, you kind of start putting feelers out to clubs. So, you know, you'll, you'll go to the club open mics, you go to, you know, there, we have a couple clubs out here that, are, that have some mid-level shows, so you try to get on those little club shows. And I think once you start getting on those club shows, sure, you're still only getting like five minutes, seven minutes, if you're lucky, 10 minutes. But then you kind of start, 
I think you start gaining more confidence. You start kind of finding out the structure. So you go open mic, bar and coffee shop shows, some showcases, try to get in with some of the clubs. And then from there, I think a, a weird natural next step is producing your own show. Even if it's not a monthly or a weekly, maybe you just do it a couple of times. But when people produce their own show, they can kind of like what I said earlier, they can bring in comics who they want to work with. And since I booked you on a show, is it cool if I get booked on your show? So then you start doing things like that. You start getting booked on little shows through trades or just through like vibing with people. Then once you start getting on those like bigger shows, it's really kind of a couple of different paths. Like, do you want to do more TV stuff? Hey, you know, still do open mics, but start trying to get an agent or start trying to find out where you can audition. Do you want to do more colleges? okay, try to like really just work on all the shows you can to like get clean materials. You can do a clean 45. Do you want to work clubs? Build up your material to a nice 10, 15. That way you can like MC at clubs on the road. So it's kind of, it's kind of like there's a lot of paths that you have. And the weird thing is early in your career, you almost kind of have to pick something that you want to do. Like, do I want to work clubs? Do I want to work colleges? Do I want to work cruise ships? Do I want to be on TV? Do I want to do only alternative shows? So that way you can start just like building up years and your reputation in those areas. Okay. So is there, is there sort of a different kind of comedy scenes within LA itself as well? So like there's improv, straight stand-up, and then there's a, there's a variety comedy sort of thing. There, there is, but it's crazy because during the pandemic, a lot of improv is getting shut down. And a lot of your, you know, more vaudeville, more wacky, more vaude, like, I don't want to say vaudeville, but all your more variety acts, they're looking for places to perform. And I think it's a little tougher, but comic is, or comedy is still like, it's going. All the Zoom shows, um, we're starting to get a lot of outdoor shows, you know, a lot of people are trying to get on the road again, comedy clubs are opening up. It's, it's insane how comedy took a blow, but it's still kind of alive in these times where I think improv got hit really hard. I think sketch got hit really hard. Um, it's just harder to do over Zoom and harder to do over Instagram Live than, you know, just having a person tell jokes for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's... I, one thing I want to ask of you, do, does LA have anything like the Edinburgh Fringe? We have a, a fringe festival in LA but it, it really feels kind of like, I, Edinburgh is obviously bigger, you know what I mean? And like, if you do Edinburgh, it's, it's almost like a big credit. Even if you did just do a tiny bar for, you know, 10 people, like you were part of the festival, like that's a big deal. Here we have the Hollywood Fringe, which I think is really cool, but it's not as established. Like if someone told me they did Edinburgh, I'd be like, wow, that's cool. If you told me you did Hollywood Fringe, I'd be like, oh, that good, good for you. Um, <laughs> uh, Obviously, you know, it's, I think the big thing out here, instead of like big fringe festivals, it's just, it's, it's the clubs, you know, and the festivals and just trying to, it really is just kind of more of a networking tool than it is a big credit, if that makes sense. Hmm. Now that's, would you, would you do the Edinburgh Fringe if you had the chance? I would do it if I had the chance and the money, which I feel like I have none of right now. <laughs> it is a big thing. It, one, one have, thing you, have you experienced that? Yeah. I the did. Edinburgh? Yeah. I what's, did. what's it like there? It's got to be an exciting energy and super fun, super cool. It is, it is but it's a bit mad with some of the, meet, like, with some of the performers because like, occasionally some, it's quite awkward because 
every comedian you know and then sometimes you'd say hello to a comment and they get a bit socially awkward and then they ignore you because they don't know what to say that is a little weird <laughs> and then there's yeah it's just every it's more variety than you would ever see eric there's there's strippers there's no sorry wait there's loads of different magicians, there's street performers, there's every kind of performance you could imagine at the Fringe. And you can learn so much from so many great comics out there. And the best in the UK, really. It's yeah, everything. It, but, I mean, it can be costly as well. I mean, it, they're, they're not always easy to please because a lot of comics that I'd see do well in London wouldn't do so well in Edinburgh. Like Edinburgh, uh, yes. all the troops like Rule of Three, Pullback Reveal. And then another thing about the Edinburgh Fringe is you know, you've got to do something really unique to get reviewed well there or to have an impact on the people there. Um, but yeah, it's just a great experience. So I recommend anyone go. I mean, an hour of comedy for like 28 days non-stop and then you've got all these extra un un other gigs on that, on top of that and there will be audiences it's not like new york and like la where it's just other comedians it's not other comedians it's audience the one thing that i really would love to do and you kind of asked this question earlier and i just didn't think about it would be um just for laughs in canada and i feel like that's probably at least in north america that's kind of like something close to what edinburgh might be but um you know, it's, it's still different and it's not kind of like anyone can perform. It really is like, we're booking the best of the best to showcase. And kind of like we said earlier, like stand-up is one of those things where you need more of the material. You really need a good brand, something wacky, something different, something exciting. It's got to be, you got to stand out. You just really got to stand out. And you've got to charm people and you've got to be a very good, and you've got, you got to handle, you've got to be, a, you've got to be like, you know, Game of Thrones. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm behind. I'm behind. Well, look up Tyrion Lannister on Charisma on Command. And, like, you've got to be charming, you've got to be likable, but you also got to be very good at handling people and the funny yeah. business that people play. I, I honestly feel like comedy is 5% being on stage, telling jokes, writing jokes. And then it's, like, split, like... 40% just being like a business person, sending out your emails, driving. And then it's another like 45% of just like marketing. Like you really just got it. Like we're all more marketing people than we are comics, like especially at the higher level. And it's like, you really got to schmooze. You really got to make people like you. You really got to show the goods, you know, have your tools, have your materials, pass out those business cards. It's, it's, it's a whole game. And it's more important than just being funny. Yeah, it's like, if you feel like shit or something, you got to get the heroin needle as you're speaking to a producer to get filled with that. And then you've got to start like, yo, yo, yo. And then boom. That's my merch, actually. Just heroin needles. That's what I'm selling these days. Ah, how much? <laughs> um, depends on the shipment. <laughs> Black tar, 50 bucks. Uh, you want the nice stuff. That's going to be about 100. Thanks for coming to the show. Please sign up on my email list. i got sort of... I've got three more questions to ask you. And one of the questions I really want to ask you is, who is your hero? Comedy hero or hero in general? Both. Ooh, the Lord Jesus Christ for both. Amen. Um, now, <laughs> I feel like, um, 
for comedy, that is tough. That is very tough. I mentioned Rex Navarrete earlier. He was big for me as a kid. Um, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm gonna list off a couple favorites, but I was always into like joke people. I love my jokes. So like Mitch Hedberg, Jimmy Carr, um, Emo Phillips, uh, Anthony Jeselnik was huge for me. Anthony Jeselnik was really big for me. Um, a lot of those really great joke tellers are definitely like my Mount Rushmore and comedy heroes. In terms of life, who is my hero for life? Um, you know what? Sounds a little conceited, sounds a little egotistical, but I'm gonna say me. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've gone through a lot. I feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like I've hustled a lot, and I'm constantly trying to be the best human being I can be. And um, I, I respect my own hustle and I value my own hustle and I never want it to stop or peter out. I always want it to just keep on going, keep on growing and just be the best human as possible. And what, what, what advice would you give to your younger self if you saw Eric now? Um, what advice would I give to my younger self? I would say, um, Ooh, that's a good question. I would say be more experimental. I feel like my, for my first couple of years in comedy, I definitely had like 10 minutes and I would just keep on doing that 10 minutes over and over again. I didn't write too much. And I think it was because I was afraid of doing bad. And I like, I had a good five. And I think my five was good enough to take these bar shows and clubs and stuff like that. But um. I, I wasn't, I wasn't writing a lot. I was afraid to write. I was afraid to do new material and uh, kind of just telling myself like, no matter what, you're going to have to write more. You're going to have to like do more eventually. You know, you have to eventually build up your 20. You have to eventually build up your hour. So like, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to bomb. You know what I mean? Try weird stuff. Like, I think it's, it's something that a lot of new comics are afraid of because they know the jokes that work, but try the jokes that don't work and see if they might work. Yeah the only way to get better well, 100% I mean with someone like Patrice O'Neill like, I hear he didn't even used to write his material he just used to write funny stuff and I think if you take risks like that yeah what, what do you think with some really great comics enables them to get away with basically effectively doing new material like Louis C.K. did a while ago he just like did a whole 10 minutes of new material and the MC couldn't come on after. <laughs> I think a lot of it is like respect for the game. And I feel like respect for the game can be done a variety of ways. You can respect the craft of comedy by really writing and putting your time in. You can respect the craft of comedy by taking those big risks, doing crowd work, you know, for a whole set. I think there's a lot of ways to respect it. I feel like you're not respecting yourself and you're not respecting the game if you ever just like at a standstill and you're not growing, you know what I mean? So just keep, keep growing. Cause that'll only develop comedy and only develop the comic. And what is a quote that you like to live by? Um, a quote I like to live by would be, Oh, I don't know. Good question. Um, do you mean like as a comic or like in life? In oh, life. I got it. I know what it is. 
Uh, Conan O'Brien. Are you familiar with Conan O'Brien here in the States? Oh, he's one of my favorites. He's wonderful. I used to watch him when I was a kid. He's incredible. But he has this really great quote where he's like, um, if you work hard and you're kind, good things will happen. And I, that is very much a monster for me where it's like, I just, I, I want to be good to people. I want to have a great reputation. And I, I hustle very hard. I work very hard for my craft. And there's a lot of heartache in it. There's a lot of annoyance in it. There's a lot of work that goes to nothing. There's a lot of work that goes to like, I don't know, random inboxes of bookers that they'll never check. And um, at the end of the day, I feel like if you work hard and you're nice to people, great things will happen. Um, but as a little asterisk to that, I also feel like there's a lot to be said about working smart. Um, that's another kind of weird quote that I guess I would live by. Like, there are some people who work extremely hard. They work extremely hard and nothing ever happens. There are some people who work very smart and they get the game going. You know what I mean? If you go to the same five open mics every week for 10 years, you're putting in a lot of time and you're working really hard, but what does that hard work lead to? But if you're smart about the game, if you're smart about like, oh, I think I could maybe make some money doing this or smart about like, oh, like this is what I can do for a club to you know, get them to like me or whatever. Um, working smart, I think is much more valuable than working hard um, for some things. And it's something that I always want to remind myself. Like, am I working hard and is this going nowhere or am I playing this the right way? Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a hard question that's always hard to look at. It's very bloody hard to look at ourselves and analyze where we're going wrong and right. I mean, I think a lot of people don't even bother doing it. Not a lot yeah. of people do, but I think there's a certain number of people that don't bother to analyze themselves. Well, I have a buddy who's been doing comedy longer than I have. And he goes to a lot of mics, gets some shows. And um, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like, you know, I've had some success. Like I've, I've gotten road work, I've gotten some TV stuff. And um, he's been doing a lot of things like, Eric, well, why, why are you, like kind of angrily, like why are you making these strides and kind of getting these things? And I'm not, but like, I've been doing it longer than you. And I was like, uh, when's the last time you like hit up a club for stage time? You know what I mean? Like when's the last time you like emailed clubs or like, have you ever emailed like an agent or a manager and asked if you can get reps or have you like ever emailed, you know, a college asking if you can do like a college for him? And he was like, well, no. And I'm like, well, as hard as you're working, that's great. But like, I'm trying to play this game a little, you know, like smarter and like trying to find where the money is and like try to find how I can make this work. Like you're working extremely hard, but I'm just trying to play this a little differently so I can make money and you can't get mad about that because we're all independently just trying to do the best we can. Hmm. That must have been quite a story. That must have been quite a conversation. Yeah, we don't talk anymore. But um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're still friends. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, one thing that is funny as well, isn't it? Jealousy is probably one of the worst human emotions. It makes us really do fucked up shit. But I also feel like jealousy can motivate you to do better. And that's how I look at it. If someone books a TV show or if my friend's headlining a weekend, there is some jealousy, but there's also like, all right, I, I need to do better. If they're doing that, so can I, and I want to. So let me focus on that. Um, the jealousy can be something that eats you away inside, but can also motivate you to be like, well, let's see how I can also accomplish what they're accomplishing. Yeah. You can do it, I can do it sort of thing. We can all do it together. With the yes. power of comedy. You sound like bloody Eddie Murphy in that film, The Nutty Professor, 
where Sherman Clump is eating a bowl of ice cream and he's getting fat and then the gym guy is saying, yes, we can. And then he goes, <laughs> yes, I can. This is not the first time someone has confused me for Eddie Murphy or Sherman Clump, to be fair. <laughs> that going to be your opener. Hello, guys. I know what you're thinking. Sherman Clump's let himself go. <laughs> I would I would much rather be Eddie Murphy letting himself go than Sherman Clump letting himself go. For the record, I feel like Sherman Clump letting himself go. Whew, that's a that's a sad, <laughs> deep ice cream filled hole. Ah, <laughs> oh, great movie though. It is. I love it. I, I like that scene where he's um, where he's with Jade. What's Will Smith's Jade, wife? Well, yeah, Jade Pinkett Smith. And he's holding on, like she's going to leave, but then he plays to her and he imbalances in front of him and goes, why? Why? And he says, okay, okay, I'll stay. <laughs> Did you ever see the original with, um, oh, what's his name? Classic comedian. He runs the ALS, not the ALS, he runs that telethon now. Jerry Lewis. Did you ever see the Jerry Lewis version? No. So instead of being fat, he just gets like nerdy. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a good one. It's it's well worth it. A comedy classic. Is it better than than that one, or or what? It's level? different. It's super different. That's like comparing. That's like comparing Jimmy Carr to Dave Chappelle. They're just too different to <laughs> compare. Okay, that sounds good. I'll have a look. Let's see if it's on Netflix. I'll give it a watch. Mm-hmm. Which I'll say, yeah, I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast and just like let me know if, what, what would you like to plug before we go? What would you like to- Ooh, plugs, um, butthole. No, oh my lord, what a bit. I feel like uh, I'm on BuzzFeed uh, here. I think we have the same BuzzFeed, the UK and the US BuzzFeed are similar, but I'm on BuzzFeed here in the States. Um, I just released a TED talk. And uh, I'm actually on a new show here in the States that I can't talk about. But if you follow me on social media at Eric Escobar, that's E-R-I-K-E-S-C-O-B-A-R, you can catch updates on it, maybe catch some clips when it is out. And um, yeah, I'd appreciate a follow. I appreciate you, Marvin. I always love seeing you. I love always doing those heckler shows where we both get really sad, but also get really mean. So it evens out. And um, it was really an honor and a great time being on this podcast with you. Thanks for coming on and best of luck with everything. And yeah, I'll hopefully see you soon. I'll see you soon, baby. You take care. See you later, mate. So that was Eric Escobar. I hope you've enjoyed, enjoyed the chat. And I hope you give us a review on iTunes. And I'll see you at the next episode. Thank you.